0: How did it all begin for us? How were the world and the universe made? What were our original fathers' and mothers' names? How did we get into the dangerously degraded state that we are in today? Is there a way to escape the world's deadly bondage? Is there a promise and hope beyond this certain grave? All of life's questions are answered in God's Word, and all of the solutions to life's problems are written in it. The ultimate solution begins in the place Jesus Christ calls born again. John 3:3 3, 3, Jesus answered and said unto him verily verily I say unto thee except a man be born again he cannot see the kingdom of God. Born again is exactly as stated. It means born a most literal second time this time of the spirit of God. This is a perfect new beginning and brand new life where your sins and shame are washed away, and where Jesus becomes the Lord of your new life. Will today be your day of salvation? Will today be the day you embrace this limited-time offer? God's hand is extended now. Move! Click on the Further with Jesus for childlike instructions and immediate entry into the kingdom of God. Now for today's subject. God said, Genesis 10:1. Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and unto them were sons born after the flood. God said, Ezekiel chapter 38:1 through 3. And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. Man said, Spare me the simpleton talk. There is no God, and consequently no inerrant Bible. Now the record. This is the final feature in this two-part series addressing the perfectly accurate historic account laid out in God's beautiful book, several foundational excerpts from the first God said, man said feature in the series follow. The standard set by the Bible concerning its content is out of this world. It purports to be authored by the inerrant God of creation and supernaturally penned by God's holy men. Imagine that he has preserved it for us for all these thousands of years. Natural academia has no such equal. Every book ever written will by necessity bow before this book. Satan's academic champions have challenged the Bible incessantly. They have vociferously challenged its supreme authorship and inerrancy. They challenged the penmen they publicly ridicule its miracle, miraculous accounts, and attempt to discredit its historic accuracy. But those with childlike faith should suspect Satan's champions have failed time after miserable time. Is the Bible the true, inerrant word of God? Can I trust it? Miracles and all. One of the world's oldest historical written records is known by historians and archaeologists as the Table of Nations and it is found in Genesis chapter 10 and 11. These chapters document the lineage of the three sons of Noah, Genesis nine, eighteen, and 19, and the sons of Noah that went forth of the ark were Shem, and Ham, and Japheth, and Ham is the father of Canaan. These are the three sons of Noah, and of them was the whole earth overspread. Keep in mind the number three, as you read the following excerpts from the May 2008 feature from and Facts called Mitochondrial DNA and a Recent Human Origin. A team of scientists that include Dr. Daniel Criswell of ICR has recently completed a study of mitochondrial DNA and will be presenting its work at uh, this summer's International Conference on Creationism. A mitochondrion, is a cellular power plant that generates most of the chemical energy the cell needs to support its functions. Although most of a cell's DNA is contained in the nucleus, the mitochondrion has its own small DNA molecule, and this DNA is passed down from mother to child. The study has revealed an unexpected lack of diversity within worldwide human mitochondrial lineages, despite high mutation rates, and this supports the idea that humanity is only a few thousand years old. Mitochondrial DNA has been used to develop several models of human origins. The recent African origins hypothesis, uh, dubbed RAO, is currently the most popular model for human evolution. Although the RAO model has a number of significant technical problems and makes some assumptions that conflict with the biblical perspective, it contains several interesting tenets. One, there was a single dispersal of mankind with three main mitochondrial lineages interspersed within clans. Two, the dispersion was centered in the Middle East in the recent past. Three, the dispersion was essentially tribal in nature, with small groups pushing deeply into previously uninhabited territory. End of quote. Remember now, I told you to remember the number three. B. Cooper, in his book After the Flood, had this to say about Genesis chapter 10 and 11, the Table of Nations. Having constructed the Table of Nations into a simple genealogy, I wanted to see how many of its names were attested in the records of other nations in the Middle East, which included, for my purposes, all the nations of Mesopotamia, Arabia, Egypt, Turkey, and even Greece." It was an obvious procedure, but one that had not, as far as I was aware, been conducted before and the results published. I had already found certain individual names that were mentioned in scattered works of varying merit, often Victorian, but the whole had never been gathered together into one cohesive study. And so my research began. Over the years, little by little, Pieces of corroborative evidence came together, and a picture began to build up that revealed the tenth and eleventh chapters of Genesis to be an astonishingly, astonishingly accurate record of events. The Table of Nations had listed all the families and tribes of mankind in their correct groupings, whether those groupings were ethnological, linguistic, or geographical. All the names, without exception, were accurate, and in more than 25 years of searching and analyzing, I uncovered not one mistake or false statement of fact in the Table of Nations. It has to be said here that such a result could simply not be expected or obtained from any comparable histor- historical document, especially one as ancient as this. The Table of Nations embraces a sweeping panorama of history that is not only true, uh, truly vast in its content, but unique. Its like simply does not exist. Cooper traces 112 names listed in a table of nations and tracks them through ancient history. It's shocking to see how they play out in today's world, and as you'll see, many in a very deadly way, actually moving us to the Battle of Armageddon and the end of the world as we know it powerful excerpts uh, from After the Flood and God Said, Man Said, follow. The Genesis Table of Nations lists Noah's second son, Ham, and his direct lineage of thirty-one souls. Cooper reports on each. After the Flood uh, cites M. Hodgson in his historical account titled Early Anthropology in the Sixteenth and Seventeenth Centuries. He speaks about Ham, and he writes this, Ham. It is observed that Ham and his family were the only far travelers and stragglers into diverse unknown countries, searching, exploring, and sitting down in the same. As also it is said of his family, uh, that what country soever the children of Ham happened to possess, there began both the ignorance of true godliness, and that no inhabited countries um, cast forth greater multitudes to range and stray into diverse remote regions. Thus, for the comments of one William Strachey, who added to these words in 1612 the following damning indictment, accusing uh, Ham's posterity of instigating the ignorance of the true worship of God, the inventions of heathenism, and the adoration of false gods and the devil. Cush Josephus writes, Time has not at all hurt the name of Cush, for the Ethiopians over whom he reigned are even at this day both by themselves and by all men in Asia called Cushites. The name of Cush, originally rendered Cush in Josephus, is preserved in Egypt's hieroglyphic inscriptions as Cush, these uh, records referring to the country that lay between the second and third cataracts of the Nile. Nimrod Writing in 1876, George Smith tells us that nearly 1,300 years before the Christian era, one of the Egyptian poems likens a hero to the Assyrian chief Khazartu, a great hunter. And it has already been suggested that the reference here is to the fame of Nimrod. A little later, in the period B.C. 110-800, to we have in Egypt many persons named after Nimrod, showing a knowledge of the mighty hunter there. Nimrod was undoubtedly the most notorious man in the ancient world, who is credited with instigating the great rebellion of Babel, and of founding the very worst features of paganism, including the practice of magical arts, astrology, and even human sacrifice. Moreover, there is much evidence to suggest that he himself was worshipped from the very earliest times." His name, for example, was perpetuated in those of Nimrda, the Assyrian god of war, Marduk, the Babylonian king of the gods, and the Sumerian deity Amar-Utu. His image was incorporated very early on in the Chaldean zodiac, as the child seated on his mother's lap, and both mother and child were worshipped, she as the queen of heaven, and he as her erstwhile sacrificial son, the precursor of today's worship of Madonna and child. Nimrod was also worshipped by the Romans under the name of Bacchus, this name being derived from the Semitic Bar-Cush, meaning the son of Cush. A mountain not far from Ararat has been called Nimrod-Dog, or Mount Nimrod, from the earliest time since the flood, and the ruins of Berz-Nimrod bear the remains of what is commonly reputed to be the original Tower of Babel. The Caspian Sea was once called the Mar-de-Baku, or Sea of Bacchus, as is witnessed by the map appearing in Sir Walter Raleigh's History of the World, published in 1634. One of the chief cities of Assyria was named Nimrod, and the plain of Shinar, known to the Assyrians as senator as the site of the Great Rebellion, was itself known as the land of Nimrod. Iraqi and Iranian Arabs still speak his name with awe, And such was the notoriety of the man that his historical reality is beyond dispute. The curse of Noah, that he spoke over Ham for his disregard, was not upon his firstborn son Cush, who was the father of the Ethiopians. Noah's curse was spoken over Ham's last son, Canaan, Genesis 9.25, and he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants, shall he be unto his brethren. Cooper writes, Canaan. The posterity of Canaan settled in the land that was later to be given to Israel. At the time of the Israelite conquest of Canaan, the population consisted of all the tribes descended from Canaan. Both uh, Sanchuniathan and Philo of Byblos confirmed the fact that the Canaanites derived their name from their founder. The Greeks and Phoenicians rendered the name Canaan, and Egyptians knew it as Kinna and Kina. The Assyrians rendered the name Kinnu, and the Urians described certain dyed cloths as Kine or Canaanite cloth. In spite of their Hamitic descent, however, the Canaanites spoke a Semitic language. A Semitic language, excuse me. End of quote. Noah's last son Japheth and his direct lineage of fourteen descendants are addressed in after the flood. Many of Japheth's offspring are major players in the dreaded battle of Armageddon. Mr. Cooper writes concerning Japheth. Japheth, the father of all the Indo European peoples, it would be surprising indeed if his name had gone unremembered among them. As it is, we find that the early Greeks worshipped him as Lepitos or Lapetus, whom they regarded as the son of heaven and earth, the father of many nations. Likewise, the ancient uh, Sanskrit Vides of India, he is remembered as Prajapati the sun and ostensible lord of creation. As time went by, his name was further corrupted, being assimilated into the Roman pantheon as Jupiter and eventually Jupiter. None of these names are of Greek, Indian, or Latin origin, but are merely corruptions of the original name of Japheth. Both the early Irish Celts and the early Britons traced their descent of their royal houses from Japheth, as did also the early Saxons, who corrupted his name is Shaf, pronounced Sheaf or Shaf. End of quote. A terrible time is coming, when the world's nations will converge upon Israel to wipe it from the face of the earth. Two good chapters to read are Zechariah 13 and 14. The prophet Ezekiel in chapters 38 and 39 speaks of this last battle that appears to culminate at the very battle of Armageddon. Ezekiel 38, 1-3, through 3, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. Zechariah 39, 1-7, through 7, Therefore thou, son of man, prophesy against Gog, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, The chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and I will turn thee back and leave but the sixth part of thee, and will cause thee to come up from the north parts, and will bring thee upon the mountains of Israel. And I will smite thy bow out of thy left hand, and will cause thine arrows to fall out of thy right hand. Thou shalt fall upon the mountains of Israel, thou and all thy bands, and the people that is with thee. I will give thee unto the ravenous birds of every sort, and to the beast of the field to be devoured. Thou shalt fall upon the open field, for I have spoken it, saith the Lord God. And I will send a fire on Magog, and among them that dwell carelessly in the isles, and they shall know that I am the Lord. So will I make my holy name known in the midst of my people Israel, and I will not let them pollute my holy name any more, and the heathen shall know that I am the Lord, the Holy One in Israel. Cooper writes concerning Magog, Meshach, and Tubal, who will lead the attack against Israel. Magog. His immediate descendants were known as the Magogites, being later known to the Greeks as the Scythians, according to the testimony of Josephus. However, given the subsequent history of the peoples of Ashkenaz, who are far more certainly identified as the later scythians it is more likely that the early Magogites were assimilated into the peoples of Ashkenaz, thus making up a merely a part of the Scythian hordes. The early Irish Celts traced their own lineage from Japheth through the line of Magog. Meshek. The descendants of Meshek are often spoken of in close association with those of Tubal, the Assyrians, for example, mentioning Tabal and Musku. While Herodotus writes of the Tiberaneo and uh, Mashkoi. A very much earlier reference uh, to the peoples of Meshek is an inscription of circa 1200 BC, which tells us how they overran the Hittite kingdom, and an inscription of Tiglath Pileser I of Assyria from circa 1100 BC, who tells us that in his own days, the Muskei were able to meet into the, are able to put into the field, excuse me, an army of 20,000 men. Josephus knew them as the Moskini or Mosaks, whom he says were known in his own day as the Cappadocians. Some later writers have pointed out that the name of Meshek is preserved in the old tribal name of the Muscovites of Russia after, uh, after whom, excuse me, Moscow is named. Tubal. The descendants of Tubal first came to our notice in the inscriptions of Tiglath-Pileser I King of Assyria in about 1100 BC. He refers to them as the Tabali, whose original area of settlement, Table, was adjacent to that of Tagarma. Subsequently, Josephus recorded the names of Tubal's descendants as the Thobolites, who were later known as the Iberi Iberis. Their land in Josephus' days was called by the Romans Iberia, and covered what is now the former Soviet state of Georgia, whose capital to this day bears the name of Tubal as Tbilisi. From here having crossed the Caucasus mountains, uh, this people migrated due northeast, giving their tribal name to the river Tobal, and hence to the famous city of Tobalesque. End of quote. One of the world's oldest historic documents is Genesis chapter 10 and 11, known by scholars as the Table of Nations, and every jot and tittle is true and righteous altogether. They are there for you to see. They are recorded in ancient history. God said, Genesis 10 verse 1, Now these are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth, and unto them were sons born after the flood. God said, Ezekiel 38, 1-3, through 3, And the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, set thy face against Gog, the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshach and Tubal, and prophesy against him, and say, Thus saith the Lord God, Behold, I am against thee, O Gog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tubal. Man said, Spare me the simpleton talk. There is no God, and consequently no inerrant Bible. Now you have the record.